What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 180, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode, Citizen Joe. Citizen Joe. We, friends. Nothing else, just the Citizen Joe. Just the Citizen Joe. Even though, you know, I'm I'm singing the song in my head right now, but I'm not going to do it to you. Okay, so. All right. Hey, friends, we're an independent podcast. And if you don't know what we're talking about, you should listen to the last episode. But if you like what we've got going on, you can support the show <laughs> at buymeacoffee.com slash walking through. Or you can go to our website, wtts.space space and click on the little coffee cup icon in the bottom right corner. There you can buy us one or two or five or 10 or 15 or 100 or a thousand coffees. Good Nobody night. has ever bought me a thousand coffees. <sighs> I mean, on one hand, that would be super cool. On the other hand, like, don't. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, I like, don't know what to do with that. <laughs> if, 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 if you want to, we have things for the podcast that we can use that for. Oh, sure. Um, and, you know, so if that's your, if, if, if you are a wealthy, wealthy person and yes. you love what we do and yes. want to, thank you. Yes, don't of course. Don't hurt yourself in the process, though. Yeah, that, I think that might be the best way to say it. Uh, but anyway, we also have something called memberships. So if you would rather, uh, instead of just getting us a cup of coffee, if you want to give us coffee every single month, you can do that. <gasps> coffee every and, month. And thanks to those who have done so. Uh, thanks to everybody who's contributed. It's been really awesome. We also have some wish list items, a couple of like technology things to make the podcast uh, recording a little bit faster or better. Uh, technically unimportant. It's just there because, hey, it's a wish. Hey, you know, if it funds, awesome. Like, that'd be cool. Absolutely. Uh, also, there's a wish list item, which is not a wish for me at all, but it might be a wish for you. Uh, if uh, if we get a certain funding, we will watch the next two episodes of Stargate Infinity, the non-canonical animated series, which is a disaster, except when it's not, but it's mostly a disaster. And then uh, release those, you know, record reaction episodes of that and release that as well. Yep. Uh, let's see, uh, wish list and, uh, that's that. Okay. So if anybody in your life <laughs> wants to listen to this awesome <laughs> podcast, <laughs> you can just tell them, Hey, we got a couple of knuckleheads that'll just, uh, they'll talk about Brent, anything. <laughs> just about. Yeah. Now I know that this is the 4th of July as we are recording yes, this and that's right. it's a festive, festival day and all of that stuff, at least in yep. the United States. And I know that each of us have our festive mead for oh, the day. Yes. yes. Cheers. Um, cheers. Um, but I happen to know that you have not had near enough time to drink enough to oh, be no. drunk. No, no. So what's no. your excuse? I, I haven't even had a sit here. Let me have a sip. Let me have a sit here. Mm. Oh, so, mm. oh, so good. So what kind of mead are you drinking? I'm drinking the current obsession. Mm, that is one of my current obsessions. Yeah, it's uh, super good. I am, on the other hand, drinking a cinnamon sizer. We oh, had a bottle that was open that needed good. Uh, to be uh, drank. And yep. so, mm, mm, mm. Yep. Yum, 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 yum. Yep, indeed. Indeed. So, um, yeah, so I've had a sip. That's, that's So I'm not, uh, that we're not, I'm not anywhere close to tipsy. This is just me. <laughs> So, uh, hey, friends, if you want to have, have some fun and be all like, you got to listen to this guy. He, he has a sip of mead and he's already like, woo. Um, you can tell them that they can find us <laughs> on Google Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, and my personal favorite, any podcast aggregator. You could just ter- type in walking through the Stargate and they'll find hey, us. Hey, Brent. Yeah. 
I have typed in any podcast aggregator into my phone a thousand times and it nothing's coming up. Oh, that's an opportunity. Have you seen that picture of the restaurant? I think it's in New York. Um, and it's the name of the restaurant is Thai food near me. Oh, is it really? <laughs> yeah. So when you search for Thai food near me, that's what you get. That's what uh, you get. There you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. It sounds like there's a business opportunity to make a podcast aggregator and name it any podcast aggregator. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm just the only one who thinks that's fun. Hey, yeah. uh, Zach. Anyway. Yes, Brent. If a person wants to let us know that uh, I should not start a company to try to make a podcast aggregator simply because I found like a a technical the technicality that maybe three people have done in their entire like i i really doubt that people type in any podcast aggregator except for <laughs> a couple uh how would they reach out and just dissuade me from this terrible idea well if you are a venture capitalist and you want to support brent's venture uh, then uh, you can uh, let us know by emailing us at walking through the stargate at gmail.com yeah. which is w-a-l-k-i-n-g-t-h-r-o-u-g-h-t-h-e-s-d-a-r-g-a-t-e at gmail.com yeah yep that's it that's it uh you can also uh go to the facebooks to the walking through the stargate facebook page and group and talk to us there uh you'll have to talk to me and yeah. then i'll have to share that with brent which yeah. is perfectly fine because i actually talked to brent because you know yes. he's my friend and such yes yeah it, um, it, it would work it would work. You could also go to the discords. Yep. Um, and how do you find the discords if yeah. you are a venture capitalist and you don't know how to do it? Well, you go to our <laughs> website, which is WTTS.space. Space! And then you <laughs> click on the little discord icon, which is in the top right corner, yeah. I think. Is it right? Top right yeah, corner? Yeah, it's there. Yeah, that's right. It's up there. Okay. And then they'll take you to the discord channel that we have. And then you can talk with uh, us uh, about venture capitalism yes. or tasty beverages that's or a, about... Yes. Uh, cats Stargate and cats, dogs, cats and dogs. dogs living together, mass hysteria, mass hysteria. Yep, all of that stuff. Yep, and of course, as Brent said, if you wanted to buy us a coffee, you can go to buy me a coffee with the link is on the website. Yep, 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 yep. Okay, well, Brent, yeah, this is already silly, it's about to get worse, <laughs> but this is a silly episode. <laughs> yes, it sure is. Shall we dig into Citizen <laughs> Joe? Yes, please. Okay. So the director for this episode is Andy Makita. This uh-huh. is his sixth of seven directing credits. Uh, he did New Order, Parts 1 and 2, Sacrifice, mm-hmm. Sacrifices, Prometheus Unbound, and mm-hmm. last week's Full Alert. Yeah. Uh, the story is by Robert Cooper, and the teleplay is by Damien Kindler. Yeah. And this is Damien's fourth of six episodes this season. He did yep. Icon, Avatar, and Prometheus Unbound. Yep. Okay. And then uh, we have a bunch of guest actors. Yes, we do. Holy smokes. Um, I don't know how many of these we'll dig into. We'll see. Uh, we start with the inimitable Dan Castellaneta. Yep. Who plays Joe Spencer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and we have a mini bio uh, written by... That's who it was written by. Oh, written by, written by Silence. By silence, you know, so I, like, like, like mm-hmm. either their name is invisible mm-hmm. or it's just like two spaces or something like that, because it was, anyway, anyway, <laughs> this is what this person says about Dan Castellaneta. Daniel Lewis Castellaneta is an American actor, voice actor, comedian, and television writer. He is best known for voicing Homer Simpson on the animated series, The Simpsons mm-hmm. from 1989 to the present as well as other characters on the show, such as Abraham Grandpa Simpson, 
Barney Grumble, Krusty the Clown, Sideshow, Mel, Groundskeeper Willie, Mayor Quimby, and Hans Molman. Mm-hmm. Castellaneta also had voice roles in several other programs, including Futurama, Sibs, and Darkwing Duck. Mm-hmm. Darkwing Duck! Oh, cool! <laughs> How dare the... The Adventures of Dynamo Duck, The Batman, mm-hmm. Back to the Future, Aladdin, Tasmania, and mm-hmm. Hey Arnold. Uh-huh. Okay. He also occasionally guest starred on shows like Friends and How I Met Your Mother. And Stargate. And Stargate. In 1999, he appeared in the Christmas special Olive, The Other Reindeer, uh-huh. <laughs> and won an Annie Award for his portrayal of The Postman. Okay. Castellaneta released a comedy album, I Am Not Homer, uh-huh. and wrote and starred in a one-person show titled, Where Did Vincent Van Gogh? See, that doesn't work if you're from England. Because yeah, it's goth. Because yeah, it's goth. They pronounce it like, you know, like G-O-F-F. Yeah. Where did Vincent goff. Van Gogh? And they're like, wait, what? Yeah, but he's American, so it's fine. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's correct. Yep. Um, as I read through that, that is probably a synopsis of mini bio that is at least 10 to 12 years old. Uh, yes. Once again, here we are with, although mm, we're not going to get into it, but let's just say that I'm getting grumpy again with companies and the internet and a recent change of terms of service that Google did that said, yeah, everything that everybody ever wrote ever we can use for training our AI. Thanks. And it's like, yeah, that's not the definition of consent. No, Mm-mm. no, no. Saying that you're going to use it is not the same thing as saying, may I use it? May this? I use it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Anyway, um, according to IMDB, Dan's nickname is Doofus. Oh, okay. Uh, and in 2002, his trademark phrase, dope, yeah. from The Simpsons was considered valid and added to the Oxford English Dictionary. <laughs> I wonder how it feels having a word in the dictionary that you technically invented. <laughs> Well, especially since the scripts only say something like, uh, you know, inarticulate grumbling or something yes. like that. Yes. Um, let's see here. He has over 200 credits to his name. Wow. 200 shows of which one has, what, 350 episodes or something? No, no, no. It's like 9,000. <gasps> uh, I got to look it up. 9,000. No, it's not really 9,000, but. But uh, um, it's I have IMDb up here, so let me uh, real quick pop this in here because it will say uh, da, 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 749 episodes from wow. 1989 to two, 2023. Wow. That, that is so many. Is insane. We are not going to get to that many episodes, Zach. No, we're not. Well, no, there we aren't are that many episodes of Stargate. Yeah, no, no. Even when you figure in all of the extra episodes that we have tossed into this podcast journey. Anyway, um, <laughs> let me get back to my show notes. Yeah, that's, that's bananas. So, um, Dan's first IMDb credit came in 1986 in the movie Nothing in Common, which starred Tom Hanks and Jackie Gleason. Oh, he played cool. the character of Brian. Uh-huh. Um, okay. And so that was in 1986. And just to think about that, in 86, he did like a, a no-bit role for that. And then a couple of years later, in 89, actually in 88, in 88 yeah. he did the 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 shorts stuff. For yeah, he did the, a the no-bit role for the, what, Trace, Tracy, Tracy Graham show? Is that what it was? 
whatever. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It was it you was know. a thing that wasn't its own show yet. Yeah. And uh, then it just blossomed from there. Yep. Um, wow. That's that's yeah. that's crazy. Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, he was also a Second City actor. Uh-huh. Uh, so he did a lot of time on Second City. Uh, and I think for now, we'll just call that good for Dan. We'll yep. move on to Deborah Theaker. Okay. She plays Charlene Spencer. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, incidentally, she was on... Uh, also on Second City, and she and Dan actually, I think, worked together. And after Dan had been cast, he asked, so who's going to play my wife? And they're like, well, we haven't cast it yet. Uh, and they're like, well, what? you should talk to Deb about this. Uh-huh. And then they did, and, and then she got cast. Yes. So here is her mini bio by Anonymous. By Anonymous, uh-huh, okay, sure. Deb was born in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, but uh-huh. spent her formative years in Easter Hazy, Saskatchewan, uh-huh. the potash capital of the world, where her father yeah. served as the mayor and local mortician. She graduated uh-huh. from the University of Saskatchewan and relocated to Toronto, where she became a member of Second City's resident company. Mm-hmm. During her years on stage there, she won a DORA, which is the Canadian's equivalent, Canada's equivalent of a Tony uh-huh. for writing and performing in Not Based on Anything by Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> Might be tough to find something that's not based by any, on anything by Stephen King. Yeah. So she starred alongside Joe Flaherty uh, in the critically acclaimed Lucasfilm series Maniac Mansion, hmm. which Time Magazine hailed as a comic gem. Mm-hmm. Deb, al- Deb also wrote for the series a quirky satire about genetic mutation, which was the brainchild of Eugene Levy and George Lucas. Oh, nice. She was nominated for a Cable Ace Award as Best Actress in a series for her work on the snow, on the uh, show. Probably show, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Deb is a versatile character actor who has appeared in four features and multiple commercials for writer, decorator, Christopher <laughs> Guest. You're just reading the words on the page. <laughs> I am just reading the words. That's supposed to, certainly supposed to be writer, director, Christopher uh-huh. Guest. Yes. Who saw her perform with the Second City Los Angeles cast in 1990 and recommended her for the lead in the Norman Lear project she was writing. <laughs> Deb is a longtime collaborator of The Kids in the Hall and mm-hmm. co-wrote Scott Thompson's Comedy Central special and co-wrote and directed two solo stage shows for him. Yeah, nice. She has appeared in two films and multiple pilot projects for writer-director Ash Christian and won the Best Supporting Actor Award at the Q Fest in Asheville, North Carolina in okay. 2011. Okay. Uh it was that was for her role as a predatory beautician in Christian's film Mangus. Mm-hmm. Uh, blah blah blah. She's done a number of television stuff, <laughs> lots of stuff, etc., etc., etc. She's done lots of stuff. She and she's pretty cool. Lots of stuff. Reno nine one one. Curb your enthusiasm. Mighty Wind. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. So many things. Yep. Yep. Rat race. Now her. Yep. Her first. IMDb credit came in 1987 in the TV series Seeing Things in the mm-hmm. episode The Naked Eye. Mm-hmm. She plays Marsha, who is apparently a house buyer. Oh, okay. Great. Okay. We have Eric King, Kingleyside, mm-hmm. who is plays Fred. He's the, the guy who gets his hair cut. Yes. 
Uh, here we have an IMDb mini bio, and it's actually mini, by Eric himself. Okay, good. Uh, born in St. Stephen, New Brunswick, he grew up in London, Ontario, mm-hmm. with a year and a half in Brisbane, Australia. Mm-hmm. He apprenticed at the Stratford Festival after graduating from the University of Windsor. Very nice. Now living in Vancouver, British Columbia, he and his wife, actress Peg Christofferson, became naturalized U.S. citizens after living in Los Angeles and in upstate Washington for many years. They uh-huh. have two children. Oh, Nice. Uh, as I was looking through his credits, his most recent thing has been in 13 episodes of Superman and Lois. He okay. plays mayor or ex-mayor George Dean in that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, he also has nearly 200 acting credits. Oh, wow. Yeah. And his first IMDb credit came in 1985 when he played uh, somebody in the episode Eye in the Sky Part 2 in the, episode, in the TV series Seeing Things. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, we have then Louis Chirillo, who plays Burt Simmons. He's one of the guys that works at the stuff at the, yep. the, 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 the barbershop. Yep. Uh, he's done voice things for, uh, he's done Watchmen. He's done Stargate SG-1. He did Powerpuff Girls Z. His yeah, first okay. IMDb credit came in 1988 with, uh, the additional voices credit of Mobile Suit Gundam English version. Ah, nice. Uh, we have... Uh, Chad Krauchuk, who plays Gordy Lowe, mm-hmm. um, he's known for Man of Steel, RV, and Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, mm-hmm. uh, and all of those, he, well, at least in Man of Steel and Dawn of Justice, he plays Wo- Glenn Woodburn in that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, his first IMDb came in 1989, when he it was five years old, he played Richard Cooper in Bye Bye Blues. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Alex Ferris. He plays Andy Spencer, the young Andy Spencer. Uh, this was his first credited role, and he's got just a bunch of things going on in his uh, yeah. life there. Uh, Mark Hansen plays the older Andy Spencer, and this is his only IMDb credit. Yeah, I could see that. Yep. So he did this, and it was it was his first. He was really nervous. He did it, and then... Oh, yeah, he like kept he smiling in, in weird places. It's like, no, dude. <laughs> All good. Um, and then we have Andy Thompson, who plays Calvin the Mailman. Oh, yeah. Um, let's see here. Uh, Anonymous wrote his mini bio, and it's long. And uh, his first IMDb credit came in a short called The Atheist and the Jew, in oh. which he played the Jew okay. Okay. in 1993. Yeah. I know nothing about it because IMDb knows nothing about it uh-huh. other than that. that then it happened. Uh, I, I would guess that it's probably some sort of um, uh, like college piece that he worked on with some friends. That's and, and probably true. That's what it is. Yep. Um, and then I, I'll note that we have Beatrice uh, Zeilinger, who plays Cindy, who I think is supposed to be um, uh, Bert's wife or yeah significant other for sure significant other and whatnot uh she's known for better than chocolate the santa claus 2 and da vinci's inquest yep uh her first imdb came in 1989 in the tv movie the trial of the incredible hulk in which Mm. she played the hench woman Mm. so those are our guest actors for this episode. yeah that took a while a slew of them yes um this first aired on February 18, 
2005. Yep. In the UK, it was also January 18, 2005. Uh, number one in the charts in the US on late February was the US. We're still listening to Let Me Love You by Mario. Yeah, sure. And in the UK, we were listening to some U2 as yep. they're singing Sometimes You Can't Make It On Your Own. I finally know a song. I know you too. I don't know if you'd recognize this, but yeah, I, I do. I, yeah, I probably don't know if I. Re- I recognize a number of their songs, but <laughs> I don't think this is one of them. Yeah. Um. In any case, um, as we are listening to some nice U two in the background. Yes. Um. No. Now is this is this kind of a what kind of what kind of song is this? Slow. Is this slow. Yeah. So, so we just kind of got a nice little kind of. Ch- I mean, like it builds in the bridge because that's of course because you too, yeah. (laughs) That's what they do. Yeah, they're like, we're gonna start here. Yep, we're gonna start here, and then we're gonna and then we're gonna sing. We're gonna belt it out, and when we get to the the bridge, we're like, yes, Constantine, because of Win Dixie, son of the past, million dollar baby. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. If and then after the bridge, they bring it back down. Yeah. To close things up. Yeah, yeah. No, like if the bridge were the box office uh, movies for that week, uh, that 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 weekend, that would have been exactly that, right. That, that's exactly that's right. Exactly what it would have been. They, that's yep. perfect. Yep. All right. So what was happening in late two thousand, late February two thousand five, early two thousand five, mid two thousand five, February or, or early, mid February two thousand five. Oh, okay, okay, fine. Right. All right. Anyway, February fifteenth, YouTube. The great Google Empire thing, which wasn't Google at the time, but YouTube launched its site in the U.S. Oh! on February 15th. Oh. I've used YouTube. I know what YouTube is. I, you know, I, I have I've used YouTube. Um, I've used YouTube not since 2005, but since like 2006 or seven. Or yeah, I was going like to say that. pretty early on. I mean, I didn't like post anything to YouTube until, no. you know, but much later. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, on February 16, uh, the 2004-2005 NHL season was canceled by Commissioner Gary Bettman, which is the first time a North American professional sports league has called off an entire season due to a labor dispute. Yeah. And, uh, uh, this is a super deep cut. Zach, there's no way you're going to get it. And I don't even know if any of our listeners will get it, but there was a talk show, talk show host who still is on sports talk show host, Colin Cowherd. Back then, I was working at a place packing motorcycle parts, and uh, we would have the sports radio playing in the background, and uh, every day that the NHL strike continued, Colin Cowherd played Brass Bonanza, which was the theme song for the Hartford Whalers, a now defunct and then defunct NHL team, which uh, inspired me to not only acquire the MP3 of Brass Bonanza, but then put it on my cell phone so that anytime anybody called me, Brass Bonanza would play. It was pretty great. Wow. Yeah. I will say that I know who Colin Cowherd is. Yeah, okay. There you go. But, you know, I mean, he does a lot of stuff with, with NFL stuff, so I've... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, he's been I mean, a he's kind of a blowhard in a lot oh, of ways. Oh, and he hasn't changed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, on February 16th, the same day as the NHL season was canceled, the Kyoto Protocol comes into force following its ratification by Russia committing industrialized nations to limit and reduce greenhouse gases. Yep. That was a thing that, that uh, did not work. It's... I mean, you're not wrong. That's for dang sure. 
but uh, but it's it's better than nothing, and it needs to be enforced a little harder. I'll we, grant you that. We we did do a thing once upon a long time ago. We said, hey, you know what's terrible? Uh, CFCs. They're really bad. And then we passed. Uh, I can't remember the Montreal Accords. Whatever. It worked. We could do it again. We we have the tools. Yeah, but we don't have the will. Tools and will equals success. Can you tell that the uh, meat is starting to hit? <laughs> yes, I'm getting giggly. <laughs> oh, no. We're not even at the end of what happened on this day. I know. Oh, dear. All right. February 20th, just a couple of days after this episode aired, Spain becomes the first country to vote in a referendum on ratification of the proposed constitution of the European Union, passing it by a substantial margin, but with a very low turnout. Uh-huh. Okay. So, it was really important for those who decided to vote, to vote yes. Yeah. And everybody else said, I don't care. I don't need to vote in this. It's not going to affect me. Until it does. Mm -hmm. Hey, everybody, in whatever country you are in, vote. Yeah. Vote. Go take a minute. Do your thing. And learn about some civics. Yeah, because, I mean... It matters. It does affect you. It, it does affect you. It may not. You may not always be able to tell, but it does. Yeah. All right. I have some trivia for this episode. Yes. Are you ready? Yes, please. So, uh, the first trivia begins by saying, "Citizen Joe is essentially a clip show." Uh, yeah. You think? Yeah. Um, because it is a clip show, the writers made Joe a barber. That's that's funny. That's funny right there. That's funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Clip show. I, I didn't some... get it. I didn't. I didn't get that reference until just now. Well, now, now you know it's deep cut. Yeah, I guess so. That's also a reference. Nice. Or you know, I mean, it's a clip show. They had to cut clips and hairs yeah. and things. Anyway, they were just cutting. Um, Joe's employee Gordy mentions that he dropped off an application at the local Piggly Wiggly. Yeah. Uh, Piggly Wiggly, for those who don't know, is a chain grocery store. Yes. Uh, throughout a lot of the United States. It's not actually in my area of Iowa. I don't think right. it's in Iowa at all. But anyway, it, there are no Piggly Wigglies in Indiana uh, when this episode aired and when it, where it was set. But is there a Piggly Wiggly in Kentucky or Ohio or Illinois? I'm pretty sure the answer to that one is no. I'm pretty sure there aren't any Piggly Wigglies in Iowa or in Illinois. But my point is that if there are in, say, Kentucky, then we have actually a triangulation of where where this episode is set. Um, yeah, but if they were that close to, to Kentucky, then yeah. they would have had some influence by Appalachian accents, and they did not. Not necessarily, but I hear what you're saying. Okay, have you ever been to, for instance, Southern Illinois, Brent? Oh, yeah. And southern, and southern Indiana. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I know what you're saying. I'm just, I'm just acknowledging that it is possible. Maybe the kid wants to commute. Maybe what he's doing is that he actually wants to... Maybe he's just lying. Ah. Uh, <laughs> he's just trying to find an excuse. Yes. You got to do what you got to uh, do, kid. Wait a minute. There's no Piggly Wigglies. <laughs> uh, so this is, of course, a clip show. Yeah, and uh, it wouldn't be a clip show if I didn't mention the various episodes that are clipped into this yep. episode. 
Yep. So we have Within the Serpent's Grasp, Mm -hmm. The Serpent's Lair, Mm -hmm. The Fifth Race, 1969, Mm -hmm. 100 Days, Wormhole Mm -hmm. Extreme, Mm -hmm. Meridian, Mm -hmm. Abyss, Fallen, Mm -hmm. Orpheus, Mm -hmm. Evolution Part Mm -hmm. 2, Heroes Part 2, Lost City Part 2. Yes. Um, Somebody thinks that this episode is very similar to Steven Spielberg's science fiction film Close Encounters of the Third Kind, because both feature a working class father from Indiana who becomes estranged from their his family due to his obsession with strange visions. Uh, yeah. I, yes. I Obviously, mean, I, I can see that, but... So, as, as yeah. far as that goes, sure. Yeah. Nothing else is the same. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Nah. Nah. All right. Uh, in... The, on the European and Australian DVD releases of season eight, this is actually the 18th episode, not the 15th episode. Sure. I could see that, how it stands so, out. It stands you know, alone. The, yeah. the, it, they took the, the three episodes that are upcoming for us, and they put them before this episode. Yeah. And they, they put this before the, the season finale two-parter. Sure. All right. Joe says that Armin Selig was killed by the National Intelligence Department. Right. Uh, you probably don't remember the name Armin Selig. Nope. Uh, this was the guy in the episode Secrets uh, that got killed in a car. With a, he, he got run over by a car in front of O'Neill. Uh, this was in early second season-ish, I sure. think. This is the beginning. Um, so uh, this is the episode when we are actually introduced to Jacob, uh, Jacob oh. Carter. Right, okay. so Carter and O'Neill have to go to uh, to DC to collect an, aw- yeah. an award for yeah. saving the planet from Apophis. Yes, and this is the uh, Armin Selig is the reporter who comes and says, uh, "Colonel O'Neill, I know oh, everything yeah. about the Stargate." Yeah, right? and then he gets run over, and then gets run over, and yeah. we never found out who ran him over. Uh, the However, NID. Joe says it was the NID, the National Intelligence Department. Yeah, okay, uh, by that. Uh, I, I do want to uh, find that it was just really just kind of interesting that um, when I think it was Homeland Security was being developed in the early 2000s, mm-hmm. they were struggling with a name and trying to figure out what to call it. And the National Intelligence Department was actually on the list of things considered. <laughs> I mean, I, I am immediately thinking of uh, the television show Archer. Where I can't remember what their acronym. It's like the International Service of like Intelligence, something. I don't know what. It, but the acronym, but the but it's ISIS. So the acronym is ISIS, and they started airing <laughs> it. Yeah, they started airing it like just before uh, all of the the Islamic State stuff was starting to happen. So like, talk about oh, yeah. talk about timing. Yep. Um. So in this episode, Joe's wife has read several of the stories. Yeah. Uh, there were ones that she didn't like, including Holiday, The Light, and mm-hmm. The Sentinel. And mm-hmm. Joe then ex- acknowledges that, okay, I m- admit those may have been a few small missteps. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but on the whole, they're getting better, aren't they? Yes. Uh, earlier, the episode Seth is also mocked as having been a weak story. And yeah. But do you know what was not mentioned? What was not mentioned? Take a guess is what episode they did not mention as a particularly weak story. See, there are certain episodes that you want to admit are weak, mm. and there are other episodes that you want to pretend didn't exist. These, this meat is really, really good. Uh, Zach, I didn't hear the word Bane anywhere in that list. Um. <laughs> uh-huh. Proof positive, so, friends, that Bane is the height of television. 
No, that just shows that they can't name all of the episodes that aren't always quite so good in times of making fun hey, of them. All I'm saying is that they had a singular opportunity to highlight which episodes they were not happy with, and they didn't say Bane. No. I will say, uh, I will say that uh, of those three episodes, Holiday, The Light, and The Sentinel, uh, The Sentinel is the worst. Yeah. Um, and... I mean, we didn't like the, the light, light at first. Yeah, but then we liked it after somebody was like, hey, look at it from this yeah, lens. So, so I, I appreciate that, and I will accept that. Um, and so this is where Holiday and Light get kind of stuck. So, like, I think they, they, they stumbled in something that was valuable in the light, and I don't yes. think that that's what they were going for. N- yeah, no, so no, I will I, say I, that yeah. Holiday is number one, Light is number two, and Central is number three. That's how yeah. I would do it. And also putting Seth in the list, I thought, was also hilarious and and seth it would be i, don't know, I would put seth uh at three and sentinel is number four then yeah the sentinel not- will be here look the fire it's still lit oh shut S- up man so bad. so bad i am some guy in the sky who's yelling with really loud speakers that don't actually transmit through space but once they get to the atmosphere then they start transmitting that's how you know it's advanced technology ah Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like I shouldn't try to drink too. this mead too yeah. fast. <laughs> All right, we're almost done with the trivia. Let's power through. All right, we're getting there. Um, the park where Joe meets with his wife Charlene to talk, and then yeah. finally introduces her to O'Neill. Yeah, is the Charles Rummel Park in uh, Burnaby, British Columbia? Oh, okay, nice. And finally, um, at the the uh, the garage sale at the very beginning, the guy who apparently owns the home and is doing the garage sale is uh, the digital effects supervisor, Bruce Wollesheen. Mm, okay, He has cool. a cameo. He's like, um, gets the, gets to sell the, the ancient long range communication stone. To it. Very good. Yep. Um, this lang, this episode in different languages is mostly just citizen Joe or Joe across the board. Yeah. The Italians give it a definite article. It's the Citizen Joe. Yeah, okay. Apparently there's only the one. And the French then, following kind of like with the uh, the Germans of yore, call it nothing to lose. Oh, okay. Sure. Sure. All right. Nice. Are you ready for the synopsis of Citizen Joe? Yeah, let's get into All it. All right, here we go. Once again, General O'Neill is at his house when the episode begins. Yep. This time, he's chatting with Sam Carter on the phone about his world-famous omelets that contain eggs. Yeah. And beer. Uh (laughs) The secret ingredient is always beer. So I got a feeling that Jack has a problem, and when he says the word eggs, he meant beer, and when he said he's making his world-famous omelets, he meant he is having a beer, and that means he's having beer for breakfast. Do not judge me for having mead at 1040. Uh, Okay, I won't. (laughs) (laughs) Look, you can't drink mead all day if you don't start early. early. Yeah, exactly. Okay, be responsible when you're drinking. Yes. Golly. I'm not doing anything silly today. It's the 4th of July. I'm doing nothing. Absolutely. Today is a day for as little as possible. It's the American okay, way. Anyway, back, back to the synopsis. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> and once again, someone breaks into his house. It's oh, no. Homer Simpson. Wait, what? Just kidding. It's Joe Spencer. <laughs> he has a gun. Oh, no. He points it at the general and says, you ruined my life. And thus, 
the story of Joe Spencer begins. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Seven years ago, he and his wife, Charlene, were at a garage sale. She's looking for stuff. Mm-hmm. And he finds this remarkable stone. And when he picks it up, he's suddenly enveloped in the story of SG-1's attack on Apophis' mothership way back in season one. Mm-hmm. When he snaps back to reality, he decides to buy the stone. Mm-hmm. Now, Joe is a barber, and prior to receiving his stone, he couldn't tell a story to save his life. But afterward, he begins telling the stories of the events of SG-1 to his clients, his co-workers, his family, pretty much anybody who stays still long enough for him to begin. Mm-hmm. At first, people are interested and excited to hear his stories. His wife, Charlene, even encourages him to get in touch with his inner muse. (laughs) He's like, muse? What's that? (laughs) As time goes on, though, Joe becomes more and more obsessed with the stone and with SG-1's story. Kind of like the fan base. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I feel called out. (laughs) He begins writing the stories down and sending them to various magazines. Hundreds and hundreds of rejection letters arrive at his door, but he's still looking for just that one acceptance letter. After all, it only takes one. Out of 367. Exactly. Charlene is getting concerned. His haircutting business is suffering as he focuses his energy on writing these stories. He admits that some aren't as good as others, but on the whole, they're getting better. At one point, he realizes that some TV show called Wormhole Extreme seems to have stolen his idea. Ha, those jerks. Uh But it only lasted for a pilot episode, so not a big deal. Charlene is feeling more and more left behind as she watches her husband lose himself in these stories. She has noticed the stone is key to this obsession. And so she secretly throws it away, which drives Joe to a frantic, frenetic, and focused search Mm. through the trash. Nice alliteration. Thank you. You should have said fantastic or fabulous. Fantabulous. Carry on before I start making some uh, Anglo-Saxon poetry joke. He tears up bag after bag at the side of the road under the confused eyes of his neighbors until he finally finds the stone and he celebrates. Yes! Mm -hmm, Suddenly, mm -hmm. he flashes to the death of Daniel Jackson and a celebration turns to weeping. No! Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Charlene finally decides to leave Joe. Eventually, his barbershop employees leave for better jobs, including ones at Piggly Wiggly. Mm -hmm. He loses his house. He becomes destitute. And so he takes his toy gun to confront the man who ruined his life. Suffice it to say, O'Neill is not threatened by this man in the slightest. And while Joe's gun is not real, O'Neill's gun is. Mm-hmm. The general realizes that something strange is going on and takes his visitor to the SGC. For Joe, he's excited to see all the people whose lives he's obsessed over for years. Yeah. For everyone else, they think Joe is more than a little weird. It turns out that the stone is one of a pair. SG-1 found its mate when they visited that planet with the quantum mirror way back in season one. Uh Uh-huh. In addition, the stones seem to have some kind of psychic communication device from the ancients. Mm Mm-hmm. O'Neill initialized the one, and since Joe also has the ancient gene, 
when he found the stone at the garage sale, he activated that one. And since then, they were connected. Yeah. Joe was able to listen in on O'Neill's writing of his reports. Mm-hmm. And in one final revelation, we discover that O'Neill, for the past seven years, has in fact been seeing the life of a barber from Indiana. Didn't I tell you this? Mm. I'm, I'm sure I mentioned it. Mm-hmm. I didn't? Anyway, the episode ends as Joe meets once again with his wife Charlene in the park, but this time O'Neill has joined them, and the general tells her that it's all true. Mm-hmm. The end. The end. All right, Brent. Brent. Yeah, Bent. We have Bent. Uh-huh, yep. Uh, ours have always been my, my, my bane. Yeah. <laughs> Great episode. <laughs> sure. Brent. Yes. <laughs> Citizen Joe. Uh-huh. The final clip show of the series. Yeah. What you think? All right. Let me start off with the bad things first. Ready? Mm-hmm. Number one. Joe only ever saw the, I guess, reports, recollections of uh, Jack O'Neill when he was holding the stone. And O'Neill says that he has, for the past seven years, been seeing updates of a barber in Indiana. Uh-huh. Does that mean that Jack has the stone from the quantum mirror planet and periodically holds it? So, according to the episode, uh-huh. proximity was sufficient for that. That um, it, it didn't, wasn't required that you hold the stone, that you just had to be proximal to the stone. But So, but it, in the SGC, mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. was like two floors above him, and that was uh-huh. sufficiently close. But, it, we, but we see very clearly that Joe has to be touching the stone. It, it, like, he needed to be physically in contact with it in order to be seeing this stuff. That was the, that was the, whole, that was the whole point. That's I, a bad I think, thing. Uh, okay. Number two. How many people... Are we going to let know about the Stargate program? Like we we're meeting, we're meeting Joe's wife in a park and we're just going to tell her that everything that this guy has been saying, everything that this guy has been saying, everything that this guy has been saying is a hundred percent true. That's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of, that's yeah. a lot of very secret information that you're just be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But just, you know, just between us, just, just, shh, just keep your mouth. Just don't say anything. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. didn't like that part. Okay. Um, yeah, that's the only things I didn't like about this episode. This episode was great. (laughs) This episode was so much fun. It was so much fun poking fun at itself, doing the meta, like, you know, you know, talking about itself, you know, to the point of referencing episode names as, you know, story. I mean, it was so it was so much fun. And this thing was hardly a clip show. Like how much clip did we actually have? Like percentage wise, probably what? 30 less, probably a quarter. Like it was almost all that. new new stuff, yeah. And the clips were seriously only there to provide like an anchor. Honestly, like you know, I'm glad somebody went through the work of figuring out which episodes the clips came from because like I I knew I had I remembered a lot of the scenes, but um I didn't remember them that well. Uh, you know, the the very first flashback where they're where they're trying to take down uh, Apophis's ship. Like, I didn't recognize that for what it was. It was just here and then gone. But that's okay. Mm-hmm. That was fine. Yeah. And the amount of time and banter, especially in the barbershop, where they're punching holes <laughs> in the stories. <laughs> I loved that. Wait a minute. Why are they like this? Why aren't they like that? Is it just, just because the way they are? Oh, my gosh. That was just, just call so them the funny. Just snake people. No, they're called the It was so funny. It was so funny. And the mispronunciations of it. 
Oh my gosh, it was great. And then the like the acting was just like stellar. Mm-hmm. Like it was just so good. Everybody playing their part. And of course it was over the top, but like, you know, on one hand, I felt like I was watching an episode of the Red Green Show in a way. Like, you know, that 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 high eccentricity that can happen in some television shows. But on the other other hand, like, I don't know, it just it just worked. And I'm not gonna like bet a whole sack of cash that the story here is going to matter a lot going forward. You know, it, it fits, it, it does its thing. It reveals a little tiny thing, but in so much as explaining why this even happened in the first place. And then it moved on. Um, and, and then like all the observations that Joe was doing with, with everybody with, within SG one, you know, even down to, you know, I thought you looked more golden before when he's talking to Teal and then Teal mm-hmm. looked back and just like, like, like it was, it was, it was it was a hoot. It was so much fun to watch this one. The the uh, the the stones. I was immediately thinking of uh, the the Dungeons and Dragons sending stones, which in my D and D campaign we we affectionately call the Rocky Talkies. Uh, <laughs> so uh, glad glad to see some Rocky Talkie action going on with uh, with this one. Well, without spoiling too much, I yeah. will acknowledge that we'll see the Rocky Talkies again. Oh, okay, cool. Actually, that's kind of that's that's super cool. Um, I wonder how far of a distance. Hmm. I wonder how far of a distance they work. I won't we'll say more, we'll but see. I will tell you that yeah. in future episodes we will learn more about what kind of distance <laughs> they may or may not have. So, so you, Zach, you have to keep your mouth shut for the next five seconds. You ready? Zip, dip. Everybody else, mm-hmm. I'm thinking that one of these Rocky Talkies goes all the way to the Pegasus. What do you think? Do you think it'll, do you think it'll go from the Pegasus Galaxy to the Milky Way Galaxy? You think? Mm-hmm. Uh, you think? Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, yeah, this was this was a delight. Oh, you can open your mouth again. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this this episode was fun. This meat is fun. Um, mm-hmm. The the you are 100 percent right. So like this being the last clip show of the series. Uh, you and Julie told me on no uncertain terms that the clip shows in Stargate SG-1 were among the best or if not the best clip shows that you have ever seen because all of them moved the story forward. And I think that honestly, they got better and better with every single clip show. The first clip show with the introduction of Ronnie Cox as Senator Kinsey uh, was pretty heavy on the clips and it came in, I think, season two. Or was it season even one? one. Oh, Very golly. Season one. Jeez Louise. We barely had any content all in the can like, at all. Yep. And then what? Maybe a quarter of it was new footage and the rest of it was was reshoot or it was um, clip show stuff. So, you know, yeah. It, it, yeah, it was a lot of clips. Yeah, it, it fell in the zone of a typical clip show with the exception that it moved the story forward in the introduction of a, of a villainous character and of a villainous motive to shut down the SGC or at least transfer its control. Like at you that were right. Time, it was just shutting down. I think it's uh, yeah, that's right. Um, like it, it had implications versus other clip shows, which barely had any implications or none at all. Uh, but here we are here at the end and it's just like s- just bare snippets of clipness, and the rest of it, just new stuff. And sure. The, you know, the actors who portray SG one had a little bit of, of new screen time there at the end. Um, I guess, Jack had something at the beginning, but you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, hardly any. Uh, so easy work day for them. But um, but so much fun. Like, 
I, I, it was a hoot. It was just a delight. So at the risk of starting to repeat myself, I'll just stop and saying I had a blast with this episode. What about you, Zach? What'd you think? I enjoy this episode. Yeah. It's a fun episode. Um, the, the clips, it doesn't feel like a clip show mm-hmm. in a lot of ways because the clips are strictly there in this episode to um, continue the experience of Joe. Yes. Right. This is told almost exclusively from Joe's perspective. Yep. Um, it's called Citizen Joe for a reason. Yep. Um, and it's really about him and his falling into, uh, I'll use the term madness. It's not quite that sure. degree. Um, uh, his obsession. That's probably a better word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, of this and the story. And it gives them a chance to, to talk about the show. Um, to take a breather with the show, um, knowing what's coming up, having an episode that just kind of reviews everything we've had for the last seven years and gives you a chance to just go, ah, yeah, it's going to be really nice um, because we're going to crank it up in the next few episodes. Yep. Um, yep. And that's perhaps a little bit of a spoiler, but so be it. Not really. It means the end of the season. Yep. Um, so that's just, you know, a, a great timing of that. Um, there's, you know, a, it's a comedy episode. It's designed to be funny. It's designed to be silly. It's designed to not be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. It's designed for things like the quibbles that you talked out at the very beginning that you didn't like. Um, I'm not going to uh, dismiss them and say that they're not important, but because it's a comedy episode, yeah, uh, they can dismiss those yeah. and make them not important and irrelevant yep. to future stuff. Um, and and that's that's the beauty of some of these comedy episodes uh, when they're done well. And Stargate tends to do them really quite well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just a, a fun episode. The interaction between Joe and and uh, Gordy and and Bert and Fred. Uh, in the barbershop. Um, those are great moments. Uh, I'm just imagining that moment when when he's trying to give Fred a, you know, straight razor shave. And he's yes. getting agitated. And he's like, ah, 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 yes. And, and Fred's eyes just get bigger and yep. bigger as that straight blade gets closer and closer to his neck. Yeah. <laughs> How about we move on? <laughs> yeah. How about we talk about something else? <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it's just, uh, I, I really don't have um anything negative to say about it i mean it's no. just like the 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 uh, uh you know getting scared uh about losing the stones and he finds the stones and he celebrates and then boom that happens to be precisely the moment when we learn that jackson has died yes and then he just shifts gears in a moment and just weeps yes um uh and then later when he learns that oh, that that jackson is back in abyss uh, he, he walks out of his, his barber shop and he just, you know, clicks his heels and he's just like strutting and dancing down yeah. the, the, you know, um, those are just, just great, silly moments that, that work. It's the right beat and it's the right way to use those clips to remind the audience that, Hey, all of this stuff has happened. Um, and you know, it's like, cause Joe's response to things were very much our response as audience members. Mm-hmm. Right? He was the um, embodiment of our reaction to those stories. Exactly. When we, even in our podcast, right, when we saw, when you saw that, that 
Jackson died. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there there was some emotion there. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Um, and then when a few episodes later, uh, we see Jackson reappear in Abyss. Um, it was just like, wow, he's back, and yes. that was a good episode. So yes. that helped too. Um, you know, so it's just like uh, it. It's a great way at the end of season eight. And I'll say the end of season eight, um, even though there's still a quarter of the season left. <laughs> yeah, well, um, close enough. But, uh, you know, there there are, without spoiling things too much, because we talked about this ahead of time, there are basically two stories in front of us. Yes. That encompass the next five episodes. Yes. Um, and so this is, in that regard, the end of season eight. Yeah. Uh, to just have that and just to 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 retrospect and think about things um, in, in, in a fun, silly way that uh, it doesn't feel like you're just wasting time. Yeah. It's, I enjoyed it. Yep. I'm not sure that, uh, honestly, like, I know that you and I have spent precisely, well, no, not precisely because I don't really know, but like, I don't know, 20 minutes, maybe tops talking about this episode so far. Not much. We haven't talked about not it much. much. I'm not sure there's a whole lot more to say about it. It's, it's, it's a fan service episode that works yep. like it's a really really clever way to put 43 minutes of television together that basically says um hey do you want to have uh you, you want to have a little nerd out fest with the general consensus of the community embodied through the person of 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 joe yeah like and it, and it works because it's a clip show uh and it's all done second unit it's it's a significantly uh, cheaper show it's inexpensive yeah. so like like why do you do clip shows because they're less expensive than other yep. shows yep. they did that they succeeded um they did have to be creative because they'd ran out of m- money on on picking scenes and so like various places in the house and whatnot they had to like well where can we put this because we don't have any money to get a new place that blah 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 sure so they have to, you know but but that's fine i mean it just gives them that creativity to do that so they they gave the fan service and they saved money on it, and they produced an episode that um, was was good. You know, yeah. I mean, it's it's it, it it's a silly story, it's a comedy story, but it's a solid story. And I don't think that you could do this more than once. I mean, if there's another clip, no, no, there's not. You just said that, but like you can only pull this trick one time, right? Right. Like if you try to do this again, another like meta story where you're like, hey, we we how about we uh, wink, wink, talk about uh, our thoughts about this show inside the show. It wouldn't the magic wouldn't be there like like we've seen it. And I thought they, it's it was just just absolutely brilliant. Just absolutely choice. Yep. It's good to do it once. They did it yeah. once. Um, yep. And, you know, that's something that 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 I appreciate about the clip shows in general. Is that when you look at each of the clip shows in this series, mm-hmm. um, they're all different. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and and how they go about, I mean, you know, th- there's some, you know, like uh, politics when we first meet Kinsey in season one, and then disclosure when they tell everybody about um, the tell the the NATO people about SG one, yep, Stargate. Uh, those are similar, in which case you have somebody telling a bunch of people who don't know anything uh, what the story is. Yep. And so then you're doing that. But but the settings is so 
sufficiently different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even likewise, the, the clip show when we told um, President Hayes as he's beginning, that's kind of in a similar vein, but it's still a different setting where, where you know, we're just, it just, these things just each have their own personality. It's not just the same thing regurgitated every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good. It, it's, it was excellent. It was just absolutely excellent. Absolutely excellent. We'll put that on a poster. Yes. Stargate SG-1. Absolutely, absolutely excellent. excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, in that case, there's no sense in beating around the bush. Nope. How many chevrons are you going to give Citizen Joe? Yeah. So, um, I can't ignore. I know what you're saying that they did a good job of, of, of telling the story without having any consequence to uh, some weird little like odd plot holes. I forgot about another one. Uh, wormhole extreme only lasted for one pilot, but yet the, but the episode wormhole extreme, like they were shooting more episodes. So maybe they, I guess it just never aired it, which is weird because their one shot had a literal spaceship come out of the sky and they caught it on camera. Somehow it didn't work. But anyway, um, well, that could have made it into the pilot episode. We never actually saw the final product. Uh, I guess you're right. I supposed, though, that you wouldn't have aired the commercial unless you had your pilot shot. Or Anyway, um, this is not an absolutely flawless, mind-bending, genre-defining, like, story-changing episode. This was just excellent TV. So... I will not give it eight, but I will give it seven out of seven because this was just so good. And what they did, they did perfectly. Like it was just the beats were excellent. The acting was excellent. The, 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 you know, the, what they did with the scenes were really, really good, even within the confines of what they were working with, like how they express the passage of time and how they, uh, you know, set one one idea up from the next. Uh, it was it was just it was just great. And then add on top of that the layer of having uh, Joe Spencer voice most fans' opinions about the various stories and and those around him, uh, poking fun at what the uh, series has been able to do or not do. Um, you know, uh, illuminating some of the weird inconsistencies that that Joe has to just basically say, this is the way it is because this is the way it is. But everyone around him going like, yeah, but that, that I mean, that's a little silly, isn't it? You know, like all those things that we have been kind of saying about the show all this time were perfectly encapsulated in this episode in a great story, in a way that was funny, in a way that made sense. It was just a romping good time. Seven out of seven for me. I, 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 I enjoyed it. To pieces. So, what about you? What do you think? Well, I have to think about this for just oh, a little bit. Okay. All right. Um, I have to think about it because I need to fill airtime just a little bit. <laughs> so you're gonna. So you're gonna. You're gonna leave me hanging here, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Oh uh-huh. like, no, 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 no! I'm gonna give this a seven. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. You know, I, I was considering. Is it? Is it set? You. I agree with you that it's not eight. Worthy. It's not. It's not. Yeah. You know, be of and beyond everything. Um. But I was considering: is it a six or is it a seven? Um, right. And you know, the only thing that could potentially have really dropped this to a six is that it's actually a clip show. But as we talked about, the clips 
are, are really serve the story yeah, oh, in yeah. a way that is far more organic in this one than it ever is in any of the other ones. It, I mean, the, the yeah. clips here aren't actually used to fill space so much as to remind you of the emotional beats of these different things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and so then, you know, it's not like, oh, now I have to watch through 30 seconds of this episode. Right. Blah, blah, blah. It's just like, oh, yeah, I remember that episode when Clarell comes out of that. And he's like, I am Apophis's son, blah, blah, blah. You know? Yeah. You know, I'm like, oh, you know. So it's like, and you're like, oh, that's the episode. Oh, man, that's the episode when he gets shot because he's trying to save Janet. Man, that's yeah. a rough. You know, I mean, we just see these clips to just to remind us. In it, you know, it, it, it's expertly done. I'll give it a seven. I think, I think you mentioned something that, that I don't know if we mentioned it in our analysis of it. Because uh, I just poured my third glass of mead. Um, I only had, two, but there were two big glasses. But I ran big out of mead glasses. You know, I'm having, mead. I'm having normal sizes. Anyway, um, uh, the the amount of time that any one clip had could have been more than twenty seconds. Couldn't mm-hmm. have been right. Each each one of those things was just literally there to remind you. See, that's actually a big distinction because you can totally tell that of the crummy clip shows that we have seen in the past you know that the people that are producing the show assume that most people had not seen the show up to that point. Yeah. Like they're trying to find the juiciest bits that they've done over the season so that they can hook new viewers. That makes sense. But for viewers who are following along, it's really boring. This one, it barely makes sense. unless It doesn't make sense at all unless you have seen every episode. And what is explained is explained in the dialogue of Joe and his friends, not in the clips themselves. I can, 100%. I can see this one. I'm standing by my seven, you betcha. But I can totally see this. If this was somebody's first episode, it's a little bit like how my very first uh, episode of Doctor Who after the reboot, after the Christopher Eccleston reboot, Mm -hmm. was actually David Tennant in the episode, uh, oh shoot. It's the Weeping Angels episode. What's the episode name? I can't remember. Blink. Blink. Of course. Don't blink. Um, Like that was my first time seeing the reboot Who. And uh, it's a stunningly good episode. It's so good. But I watched it going, wait a minute. I, I thought I thought my memory of Doctor Who. I thought the Doctor was much more involved in these stories. Are these is Doctor Who just basically like, you know, like uh, like an uh, what do they call that? Where it's not an ensemble. It's a. um. Oh. Where each story is a little bit different. Um, yeah, when it, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, I've been drinking. I, can't, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know what they call. I can't remember. Yeah, but you know, I, I was like, oh, is is this what Doctor? Who? And of course, the answer is no. But like in the way that Blink was a great episode, it got me interested in Doctor Who again. But it was very not the norm of what you know what the episode what the series was. This episode is not the norm of what the series is. But on the flip side of that analogy, which makes it a bad analogy, uh. I can see how a person, if they, this was the first time that they've watched SG-1, they'd be a little lost. They, they, they'd follow because, as you mentioned, the clips are explained. But on the other hand, the amount of joy that I got out of this thing had everything to do with, with I knew exactly what they were talking about as soon as they said it. Right. So, so this is an episode that's, that's designed to, um, I mean, so unlike other clip shows and other series, 
this is not a clip show that's designed to try to catch new viewers and, and bring them up to speed. Yeah. This right. is an episode designed to tell a story that's connected, um, you know, on a tangential le- level to our main heroes and to provide an opportunity for our audience to uh, to just uh, remember Enjoy. what has yeah. come before. Right. Yep. Have a good time. Um, so, Brent, I yeah. have pulled up the predictions from Facebook. Yeah. I've been excited about this. Uh, I was uncertain what kind of response we were going to get, given that we were recording this on a Tuesday instead Uh of a normal Saturday Yes, and all that stuff. But we have several uh, responses on Facebook. And so we'll start with Sean. Hi, Sean. Are you ready? I am ready. All right. Sean says, is this a well-designed clip show, or are these new clip scenes we've not seen? Mm-hmm. I don't remember half of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jack has brown hair, so must have been early seasons. Gould. Gould. Yep. Gould. Gould. It's <laughs> complex, and they're not <laughs> snake people. Go Indiana Hoosiers. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, no, but, you know, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> Isn't it a good thing Joe isn't buying a sports car or having an affair with a younger woman? Yeah. Good job he found a black stone that will uh, maybe be used in the future. <laughs> in a galaxy far, far away. Hmm? Hmm? I'm going to have another sip here. Well, mm. yeah, anyway. Mm. Uh, it's 3 a.m. outside. Really Come to bed. Ignore the sunlight pouring through the windows. Uh-huh. Yeah. When Joe's wife quotes episode titles, I wondered if different countries got the titles correct or just translated the English script. Mm. Oh. Yeah. That's a good question. I'm curious about that myself now. Mm-hmm. What happens when you tell when what happens when your wife doesn't believe you? Time for Brothers Grim Repo. Oh, that was funny. <laughs> I laughed at that. Even though the sad the scene was sad, but like the yeah. Brothers Grim Repo was pretty funny. Uh, and when Teal'c said Shell Kek Nemron to Joe, that was my final decision, decision in giving this a seven Chevron yep. rating. Yep. I had to pause for laughing so much. <laughs> now, Sean doesn't specifically say what rating he's going to predict that we oh, have. Well, okay. But he does say it's a seven. And so we're, we're in a seven. And so it's a, I'm going to say. That's a win. Doop, 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 doop. Unfortunately, I'm going to say that's not a win. So, hey, you got you got Zach to give you the boop doops Okay. Well, I... No, don't feel bad. Like, this I is... I don't a, feel no, bad. Good. I feel smiley. Smiley. <laughs> hey, hey, Zach. Yes? Hey, cheers. Oh, oh, oh. Just a second. Just a second. Here it goes. Here it goes. Yep. Cheers, Along everybody. With a, a smack of the microphone with the glass. Yeah, no, yeah, that would be. Sorry uh, about that. Folks. That boy, that would actually be terrible. I'm that was. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Carry anyway, on. Okay. Next is Anna. Hi, Anna. Is Anna? Anna. We've is seen Anna. Anna. Oh, Anna we have. We, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's not new. Okay. Um, Hi, Anna. One thing, but but this is her first post in a long time. So mm-hmm. welcome back. Okay. One thing I love about Stargate is the fact that they don't take themselves too seriously and they can laugh at themselves. Mm-hmm. I feel like there was a lot of that in this episode. One, oh, yeah. mentioning the furlings and how we'll hear lots yes. more about them. Yep. Yes. Oh, that Hasn't was so happened yet. Nope. Uh, number two, how the Hathor script was rejected. 
terrible mm-hmm. episode. Yes. Yeah. It was golden. Three. No, it wasn't. Yeah. There's a lot of gold. Number three. Loved how they brought back Wormhole Extreme, and we learned it got canceled after only one episode. Yeah. Yep. Number four. How Charlene says she has read Holiday, the Light, and the Sentinel, and Joe says how they those may not have been uh, they those may have had may have been mishaps. Yes. <laughs> Number five. They bring up the fact that someone has broken into Jack's house. Two weeks yes. in a row. Yes. yes. And then he doesn't lock his front door. Maybe try locking your front door. Do <laughs> <Yeah>. you <laughs> live in Colorado Springs for crying out loud? I, I'm, I, I'm sympathetic to Jack. The, lock, the front door is locked at our place, but I am sympathetic. Now, I will say that sometimes his house appears to be in Colorado Springs, and sometimes it appears to be his like, like uh, second home in Minnesota. And so yeah. I think I think the house just transports back and forth as needed. Ooh, some uh, that, that's my retcon. Some Asgard technology that uh, we haven't been uh, privy to yet. Uh, well, it's just beaming technology. We have that zoop, zoop, for our whole house. Sure. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, anyway, number five. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh no, no, number six. Uh-huh. They mention how Tilk's hair color has changed. Uh, that he has hair and well, that his th- that skin. he has hair and his skin is colored. Yeah. Less and number gold. seven. Also the fact that all of Jack's mission reports were turned down for publication. Yes. <laughs> I think just think that's all funny. of them. Yep. Yes. Yep. Okay. And it continues. Overall, I just enjoy this episode and the way the writers can look back at what they've done and poke fun at themselves. Now, technically, this is a clip show, but I think it's a really good one. I'm going to give it a seven because I had fun and it made me laugh. Yeah. Now, what you guys are going to give it, I have not a clue, but I'm Mm -hmm. hoping you enjoyed it as much as me. So, sevens all around. Hey, and I got it. Very nice. All right. Uh, where would leave off? Seven older. Although I do have a difficult time believing Brent could give a clip show seven chevrons. It happened. It totally but happened. I'm going to stick with it. Yep. There I also go. wanted to quickly address last week's episode podcast where you thought the Atlantis team wouldn't know anything about where they were going to, such as if it had a space gate or not. Oh, I yeah. I believe Atlantis has a database that has oh. all the planets with stargates on it, along with a description of said planet, such as. This planet's gate is in space. That, Feel yeah. free to correct me if I'm wrong. Okay, you know what? I'll buy that. Yeah. I think our criticism last time, but Zach, you kind of addressed it, was that, oh, yeah, no, we were talking about, do you send the melp through every time? And then you just got melps in space. Melps in space! Thank you. Thank you, Zach. Thank you. Yes. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, next, we have Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Kevin says, hi, Zach. Hi, Brent. I've been a big fan of this episode. I know I'm in the minority of most fans. I don't know. Not so far. So not so far. I found (laughs) watching this time more enjoyable than most. While I was watching, I took a few notes. Uh Number one, ugh, clip shows. Number two, never criticize a man who is holding a razor blade close to your neck. Yeah, yeah. No, don't. That's a poor time. Number three, storytelling is a totally different craft than story writing. Mm. Yes. Number four. When Joe was crying about Daniel being dead, Dan Castellaneta accidentally slips into his Homer voice. I, yes, I, yes, I, I noticed Brent, that as well. Brent, please put 24 minutes and 54 seconds to 25 minutes, 20 seconds here. Okay, here it is. No! 
be gone. He's dead. Daniel's dead. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, number five. This episode is so meta. Yes. How meta is it? That's that's my subcomponent. Ah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Sorry, How sorry. meta is it? It's number six. So he doesn't actually... He just goes on. Number six. If the stone on base was found on the quantum mirror planet and Joe was getting his visions from when Jack was writing his reports, it still doesn't explain how Joe knew about Hathor and Jack aging on Argos both which would have happened and had reports filed before Jack ever touched the communication stone on the base. I think that we have uh, affirmatively established that there exists plot holes in this episode that we are I would like to point out that at least within episodes, I don't, we can't say specifically about his uh, reports, but now this gives a suggestion to at least hold on to it as a way to polish over this potential plot hole. Mm. is that uh, both uh, Jack's experience on Argos when he aged prematurely uh, and issues with Hathor beginning and ending and such were things that were referenced in future episodes and talked about. So ah, it's possible that yes. he mentioned them in, pre- in future mission reports, yeah. which gave them... And maybe that's why... Mm. That, that maybe that's why... Um, uh, Joe's stories about Hathor failed to make the cut because yeah. he was going off of uh, you know third and fourth hand responses to what ah, happened. I see. And you know if 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 he had been there for the first time, maybe those would have been the ones that were accepted. Excellent, excellent retcon. Love it. All right, all right. Number seven. Mm-hmm. I hope Joe's wife felt horrible for thinking he was crazy and gaslighting him by telling him none of it is real. I'm not sure if it's gaslighting if the other person doesn't know they are gaslighting, but according to Wikipedia, gaslighting is the subjective experience in which an individual's perception of reality is repeatedly undermined or questioned by another person, so I will say yes. Mm, yeah, right, but it's, it's, it's Joe that's getting gaslit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, gaslighting it's not, is- It's not nefarious. It's not nefarious. I think that gaslighting in the socially accepted uh, understanding of it is intentional. If it is, is not, there, in, there, yeah, well, there's so, an intention to deceive. So, so there's there's more to it than that because uh, the intention to deceive does not always have to be conscious. Because the a- acknowledgement of gaslighting is that within, say, business experiences, you will have businessmen who will gaslight their women subordinates and. It's not ah. always designed to be such as, such that, that those are doing it intentionally, but that there's something cultural around them that is pushing it out of them, for mm. lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I mean, certainly intentionality is a part of it, but I don't know if it... If it's a requirement. If it's a requirement. I don't know. I'm not an expert on gaslighting. <laughs> no, you're not, Zach. <laughs> That sounds Thank like I'm being uh, ironic, and I'm totally not. I'm being 100% genuine. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I do uh, get my... I, I'm always... Uh, always might be too harsh, but I am cognizant and aware 
and try to be intentional about not in accidentally gaslighting people. Zach, in every interaction that I've had with you, I'm pretty sure that if you had a fault, it would be directness. Ah, well. Not okay. in a bad way. Well, I mean, yes, in a bad way, I guess I'm t- that's what I'm saying. But you know what I'm getting at. Of like, no, you don't. You don't skew towards trying to alter the past through your stories. <laughs> you kind of skew the other way of like, no, no, this is what happened. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Next, we have Adrian. Hi, Adrian. Adrian says, this is legitimately my go-to Stargate episode. Oh, yeah? There's something about the way they recap all eight seasons through the eyes of Joe that makes this the best clip show I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. The jokes yeah. land, naming episodes like Hathor. I also love the twist at the end where Jack has been seeing the barber from Indiana, uh, the barber from Indiana, his life, uh, for eight years and never mentioned it. I think this is going to be a seven for both. Yes! Yes, we get well, we're just, we're just people are just nailing it out of the park. Nailing it. We have Rowan. Rowan Hi, is Rowan. our last one today. Oh, well, from Facebook. Well, from Facebook. From Facebook. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. Yeah. Brent. Okay. okay. They say, "Sorry, I've been absent for a bit. This okay. is a perfectly delightful clips episode yeah. in which Stargate does my very favorite Stargate thing: not take itself too seriously." Uh huh. Does the story actually make sense within the context of canon? I don't care. <laughs> and Castellaneta knocks it out of the park, bringing humor and pathos to a memorable one-off character. Yeah. Daniel's terrible wig. Yes. yes. Tilk's changing look. Meta jokes. Yeah. Seven chevrons for me. And yeah. if Zach and Brent disagree, they are just wrong. Okay. All right. Did Rowan give us a prediction? I think that that the based on... How yeah. this is written. So then uh, they were saying seven for both of us. So, yeah, so then you got to get the dupes. Doop, 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 doop. And because te- a prediction was not technically given, I'm going to withhold my dupes. Fine. <laughs> Rowan just tossed something. <laughs> <laughs> you deserve to get smacked in the face for that one. <laughs> Good thing I'm way over here. <laughs> yeah. All right. This episode has an IMDb rating of 7.6, which is four chevrons, putting it in the bottom half of Stargate episodes. What? Overall, <laughs> wrong, I say. <laughs> I am 100% confident that everyone is wrong on this. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, those are our Facebooks. Thank yeah. you very much, everybody. Yeah, thank you. What do we have on the discords, Brent? On the discords. Okie dokie. We've got uh, JD. Hi, Hi, JD. JD JD says this. I anticipate low reviews from Brent and middling from Zach. Brent, with his usual curmudgeonly, probably a word, no matter what spellcheck says, I think curmudgeonly works, with his usual curmudgeonly attitude towards clip shows, will give it a four. But I think Zach, knowing, quote, things, unquote, will bump his to a five. Other than 100th and 200th episodes, I think this is the best clip show in SG-1, so I'll give it a 5.5. Well, JD. Well, JD. You're, you're true to your name. We, we liked this clip show. <laughs> David responded with something spoilery. I shall not click, but you all can go on the Discord and oh, take a look oh, what he I, said. I, I need to go and, and look at that because I haven't all looked right. at that. All right. So, Jen. Um, hi, Jen. Jen here. Hi, Jen. Hi, guys. This time, we're learning something new on Citizen Joe. Welcome to Jack's class, quote, how to impress a girl 101, unquote. Huh? Jack's? Okay. Right. One, tell her about your upcoming meeting slash date. Check. 
Two, brag about your excellent cooking skills. Check. Three, let her guess the secret ingredient. Beer. I see what you're doing. Check. (laughs) Beer. Easy. Check. Four, suddenly interrupt the phone call because a toy gun is held in your face. What? This wasn't part of the plan. Failed. Nice. (laughs) Jack finds himself held at toy gunpoint in his own kitchen. On the holding end, there's a very desperate barber with a very familiar voice. Seriously, Jack needs to start locking his front door. What can I say, says Jen. Best, period. Clip show, period. Ever, period. This episode is the gift that keeps on giving. So many iconic scenes, and just one of those episodes I put on again when I feel like it. When Joe was grieving Daniel's season five, Death in the Rain, all I could hear was Homer grieving his poor lobster pinchy. (laughs) This, This one must have been a blast for everyone involved. It's one of the best comedic episodes we have in SG-1 with an almost melancholic look back to the past eight years. I loved that the writers addressed the criticism they've received for some episodes in such self-aware manner, in such a self-aware manner. On a side note, you can already see that Amanda's pregnancy got harder to hide. Oh, I didn't notice, especially during the phone call with Jack in the beginning. For me, it's a seven out of seven Chevron's episode. Just plain old fun. Nothing else. And I'm all here for it. Citizen Joe is one of the episodes that gains appreciation over the years. Zach has seen the episode many times, and I guess he will look at it with fondness. So I'm guessing a 5.5 out of 7 chevrons. As per usual, Brent is the wild card for this one. If he's grumpy Brent today, then Citizen won't reach more than a 7. When wacky Brent's on board. Read that again. If he's grumpy Brent today, then Citizen won't reach more than 4 chevrons. That's better. What'd I say? You said seven. Oh, dear. When wacky Brent's on board, then we could go as high as six chevrons. Hey, seven. If he's had a good breakfast, you could say that. I want to believe in wacky Brent because he's so much fun. And here I go against all odds to guess a six out of seven chevrons for Brent. Close, but not close close enough. (laughs) All right. Then we have Jenny Dean Anderson. Hi, Jenny. Hi, Jenny Dean. Citizen Joe earns points in my book for three things. First, for shouting out to the fans' opinions of the show in the script. Joe's wife, Charlene, discusses Holiday, The Light, and Sentinel and subtly drops the line that the team isn't what it used to be. That's right. (laughs) Also, no wonder the magazine companies rejected Joe's stories. He sent in the cringiest stories like Hathor. Secondly, wow, did Dan Castellaneta do a great job portraying a steep decline in mental health when his possessions were being repossessed by the Brothers Grimm Repo Company. Not sure if anyone else caught that name. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yes. The name was caught. Yes. Lastly, this episode is comedy gold when Joe is in the SGC and greets each member of SG-1. Yes. Yes. My rating, however... Is a five out of seven chevrons. Daniel's wig at the end is bad, and Daniel's shoes in the final scene were poorly chosen by the costume department. Who, I who predict shoes? a f- who Jacks, Jacks, Jacks shoes. What I say, uh, Daniel? you said Daniel's shoes again. Oh boy, I, I probably should stop drinking meat. I predict a five <laughs> from Zach and a six from Brent. Very close. P.S. I also had two small points of discussion to share. Number one. If Burns is Guawuld, doesn't that make Smithers first prime? That's fun. That's a fun one. I like that. And two, and this may be poking, uh, this may be poking out a plot hole, but how come Jack doesn't recognize Joe? 
Oh, hey, that's a good point. Jack has been seeing flashes of this barber's life for years, but he didn't know what the guy looked like. Barbers stare at themselves in mirrors all day when they cut hair. <laughs> There's no way Jack didn't know what Joe looked like. Good point. Excellent point, Jenny Dean. All right, I'm going to have to rescind my seven. I give it a three. Oh, oh, wow. No, I'm just kidding. I know. <laughs> that was, that was, that would have been severe. All right. Thus endeth the predictions. Okay. And we do have one uh, email from yeah. David. Hi, David. David says, I'm getting visions of someone else's Chevron encoding bias buffer. Oh, my goodness. Yes. He says, perfect clip show. Yeah. I could go on about my favorite bits of this episode, but that would take far too long and probably be repetitive. So I'll just say this. An engaging story supporting the clips, self-deprecating humor, acknowledgement of past missteps, dramatic tension, and a hopeful happy ending for Joe. Mm -hmm. The only thing that is holding it back from perfect perfection is that there is no plot advancement with nothing set up for the future. Mm. Or is there? Hey, are we still talking about the Rocky Talkies? I have no idea. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's my official story, Brent. Yeah, you're sticking with it. I'm sticking with it. Number, Brent, will give this six chevrons because of a reasonable bias against clip shows, but he does realize how good this episode is. Yeah, yeah, this is a good one. Zach gives it a six and a half chevrons because he just might not be able to give a clip show seven chevrons in conscience. Oh, we did. We totally did. We did it. We did it. We gave it seven. I'm not going to blame the mead. It absolutely is just us. Yeah, absolutely. You know, honestly, the, the mead has little to do with the prediction. It just has more to do with how the, uh, the, not the, how the words the, the, fall out of our face. Yes. Mm-hmm. I get, I get slurry and verbose. It's not slurring. It's talking in cursive and it's fancy. I approve. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't invent that. Somebody else did, but it's still good. You know what? I rarely invent things, but I'm really good at stealing other people's ideas. Mm-hmm. Did I say that out loud? No, no, no. I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. Oh, cool. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. That was that was awesome. That was so much fun. Yeah. Okay, Brent. Yes. The next episode. We are mm-hmm. returning to the Pegasus Galaxy. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. We are no in Stargate Atlantis episode, uh, I believe it's 15. The episode mm-hmm. is entitled Before I Sleep. Before I sleep. What is before I sleep about? Oh, no, man. I used to. They used to give me good things to set up puns before I sleep. (sighs) I don't know. Let's just try this. Okay. Next time on Stargate Atlantis. The Atlantis friends travel through the Pegasus galaxy once again to find themselves more power. You see, last time they were very, very interested in the weapon that was on the surface that they thought, because it was, of course, powered by a zero-point module, or as it is appropriately called, a ZPM. Yes, mmm. So they are once again on the hunt for resources. They haven't been out of those woods just yet. They find themselves engaging with a group of people on a planet far, far away that they have never yet met before, and they seem to be individuals who are dressed in very dark clothing, and they seem to be enjoying putting certain dark paints on their faces and on their eyes. I got a little close to something I'm not going to. And on their eyelids and such. Yes, indeed, you might say that they might be a little bit, I don't know, a bit gothic in appearance. That was what I was going for. So, mm, yes, and close to other things, but that's okay. Uh, we'll go uh, with gothic. Uh, yeah, gothic, and so, and so, uh, 
these individuals are, as you say, uh, morose. There are other words that go with remorse. That remorse. What? Morose. Morose. Remorse. Remorse. Remosa. Wow. Why did we do this? This is a terrible. Anyway. Um, <laughs> and oh, so they go it, and they say. It's gold. Hello. Is it? Hello. 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 We are here from Atlantis. We are here representing the Earth Expedition to the Atlantis Pegasus. We are here. We need your help. You see, we've accidentally awoken all the wraith. Mm. And everyone's there is like. We fear not the wraith. You, you don't? No, we do not fear the wraith. You should. <laughs> They're pretty mean. <laughs> we don't because death comes for us all. Wow. Oh, you're, you're those people. Yes. Hush, little baby. Don't say a word. And never mind that noise you heard. It's just a beast under your bed. In your... Something in your conscience? In your head! Join us next time where we seem to be have found a planet full of metalheads who just who just can't not be metalheads who say creepy things when bef, before they sleep until these until I say join us next time on Stargate Atlantis until I sleep. I I was uh, the I, only thing I had was like Enter Sandman, and that wasn't that was not that wasn't I I couldn't I I I tried. Uh, I I you know what? Yeah. The yeah. only thing I have is to suggest that we watch the promo that David made for us. Yeah, yeah, that would probably be good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, <laughs> are you ready? I, oh yeah, I'm ready. All right, I'm hitting play now. Next time on Stargate Atlantis. While investigating a mystery on the Atlantis base, the team makes an amazing discovery. Metallica? That's not Metallica. No. Old lady. She's drifting. Still very weak. But there's something a wee bit odd about this woman. Yeah, she's probably going to use it. She called me Carson. What? Who is this mysterious woman, and what secrets will she share of the Atlantis base? Huh. Seeing a city like this, sitting on the surface of the ocean, can't imagine how relieved I am. Will the revelation of her identity change everything we know? There's also the DNA test. It's all next time on Stargate Atlantis. Uh-huh. She is you. Oh, oh, a human, a human in Atlantis. That's not that's not Metallica, but whatever. I'll take it. Sure. Run with it. Yeah. Well, um, and for those of you who uh, aren't on the discords or are on the discords, I didn't realize that in the SG1, no, SGA spoilers, I think, section. Yeah, I can't. One of those sections. Probably David, SGA spoiler discussion. Uh, I, don't know, I don't watch it. Put the promo for this episode there yeah so that when i said i'm hitting play now you could watch it with us yeah yeah but you probably should type that because now they've heard you give that instruction after i mean i guess i could rewind the podcast you should rewind it and go back in time it's perfectly fine are we gonna keep using the word rewind even though nobody uses tape anymore you know, that's we still talk tape. about rolling down windows. That, that's that's yeah, that's also very true. But like we like, haven't rolled down windows for fifteen or more years. Zach, 
Cassette tapes are... Why are cassette tapes making a comeback? What is the save icon on your computer? Oh, that's a disc, yeah. Yeah. When was the last time... A three and a floppy. That's probably three and a half floppy. Yeah, you're right. Three and a floppy occurred. You know, I mean, I mean, they they went out of fashion at the time this episode aired. There's so many things. There's so many things that, like, you know, kids who are like ten right now, they are not. It's just going to be the way it is. It's going to be like hieroglyphics. It's going to be like, yeah, that 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 bird sound makes the a sound. Like that's what it is. You know, I mean, why why is um why is your hard drive on your computer a C drive? Yeah. I bet you, well, I bet you a lot of people, I bet you more people on our listener base know that one, That's but most probably people, true. yeah, most people have absolutely no idea. No. Uh, just so you know, it's called the C drive because you had the the A drive, which uh-huh. was your floppy drive, Yes, and and the B drive was which your- Which was also your floppy drive. Was also your floppy drive. It was, it was the other type of floppy drive. Well, it was in case you had two. In case you, well, because naturally you did. You'd have your three and a half inch floppy drive and you'd had your five and a quarter inch floppy drive. Or if you had an IBM or machine if, in the 19, late 1980s, you'd have two five and a, five and a quarter floppy bays. That's true. Mm-hmm. And that left C for the hard drive because computers did not Obviously. start with a hard drive. Yeah, no. Nope. There you go. There's, uh, there's computer history with Brent and Zach. That's right. That'll be the podcast after we do the podcast with the Oh, boy. No, no. What? Two episodes? Here's the history of computers. They were first people. Then there were computers. And then there were computers. The end. <laughs> you know, I, I'm sure that a podcast about the history of computers would be fascinating. But this I isn't would it. be not the person for that. This is a Stargate podcast, Zach. It is a Stargate podcast. Stargate, 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 Stargate. Stargate, Stargate, Stargate. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Well, with all of that, I say thank you very much for listening to this episode about Citizen Joe. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Uh, if you have any comments um, that you want to share with us, please email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. You yep. can, of course, share your thoughts on both Facebook and the Discords. Yeah. Uh, if you want, you can support the podcast by going to buymeacoffee.com slash walking through or yep. going to the website, which is WTTS.space. Space! And then clicking on the coffee cup link at the bottom right-hand corner. Uh, And with all that, I say I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. This has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.